0: Crew and the skit team, and it's great to have Rich and Linda leading that skit today. And uh, children dismissed to junior church at this time, and as they're dismissed, we're going to go to Philippians 4, verses 2 and 3 here in a moment. Uh, but I hope you notice you know, it's the reason they chose that skit is because the focus on missions. A lot of times we have a focus on missions during October, and we see the focus there where they're burned out missionaries struggling. And even considering leaving the mission field, and at that point, the one Linda was playing was able to hear about the effect that she made. And I would encourage you to continue to pray for our missionaries, uh, especially in persecuted countries, but all over the place. And also, it's an opportunity, I think, to be reminded that we are all missionaries. Everywhere we go. And uh, pray f- and and. and, and I would encourage you to pray and discern God's will for your life in a day-to-day way as well because uh, our church is a mission field too. And we always could use more volunteers with our children's and youth ministries, Celebrate Recovery, and various other ministries. I'm hoping we can get a seniors ministry going uh, soon. Hopefully you'll hear more about that soon. But we need volunteers and we need help and we need support. So I encourage you to pray and discern that as well and continue to encourage. May that be an a, 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 um, opportunity to raise awareness to, inc- to continue to encourage the workers, the servants, the missionaries, and keep them in prayer. Imagine yourself sitting in a worship service Much like this, and you hear your name in the message. But imagine it it is not in a positive way. It's not particularly negative either. It's not a personal attack, it's something going on. You see, you have a dispute with someone else in the church, you are a very important leader in the church. And there's another important leader in the church as well. And both you and this other leader, both your names are mentioned together. You two ladies are both mentioned in the message regarding your dispute, regarding getting along together. You are exhorted to unity, it's a positive exhortation. You are exhorted to agree in the Lord. Further, you are a woman. And in the culture and place you live, women would not be mentioned in writing unless they were of a higher status. The women would not be mentioned in writing unless they were of a higher status. Further, you're not mentioned by the preacher in some extemporaneous sermon. Someone is reading a letter. Your name is included in the letter being read. The letter is from a leader of the churches a leader of this church and the churches. And this guy is a leader, the planter, the person who started these churches. And he's writing this letter, and in the letter he exhorts you and this other woman to agree in the Lord. This person writing the letter is now in prison. The writer says that you served side by side for the gospel. You served side by side with him for the gospel. That's encouraging, right? That's that's a lovely way of putting things. The writer says that your name is in the book of life. The book of life, which comes up uh, later on in Revelation about about names of those going to heaven. You serve side by side with the gospel. Your name is in the book of life. But you are exhorted to make peace. It is not a command, but a strong request. You're not commanded to make peace, even though the writer in that culture, in that culture, the writer could command you to make peace. Now, the question is, because you're in a little church gathering and your name is mentioned, and I said much like this, actually the church gathering might have been 30 to 40 people, probably not this, probably not this large. But would you be squirming in your seat? You know, it's, they're publicly reading this letter and your names are mentioned. Would you get red in the face? Would, would you get angry? Or would you respect the person who wrote the letter so much that you reflect, pray, and obey? Would you respect the person who wrote the letter that you reflect? Respect the person who wrote the letter so much that you reflect, pray, and obey. See, most of the time we get defensive. And a number of years ago, I brought up to someone's family that the particular person was they were criticizing a certain ministry. And I said, but you weren't really involved in this ministry of the church. They're attacking it, but they weren't really involved. So how would they know to attack it? And later on, I got a call saying they were very upset about it. And, and they said um, about this particular person and that person really respected you. And I didn't say it at the time, but I thought, well, he must not have really res- respected me. Because if you really respect somebody, you seriously consider what's being said, and you have follow-up conversations. You prayerfully discern what's being said and not get defensive. As you may know in this particular situation, I'm thinking about what happened with the Apostle Paul, urging Judea and Sintish to do to agree in the Lord. The Apostle Paul planted the church at Philippi, he was a leader of all these churches, and he was urging Judea and Sintish to agree in the Lord. They were leaders in the church at Philippi alongside him, but they're not united, and their disunity is hurting the church. I want to look at this passage, and my theme right here is an appeal for unity, an appeal for Unity. Look at verse 2. We're in Philippians chapter 4, verse 2, which if you have copies of the manuscript, the the scripture's on there, or you can read there on your Bible, on your phone, or whatever. He writes, I entreat Eudia and I entreat Sintish to agree in the Lord. This is, again, a passage where we see the importance of unity in Philippians. As I've stated, as we have walked through Philippians, we see Philippians as a letter of joy, and many people call it a letter of joy. We also see a letter of unity, a letter of unity. You know, I, I like what the message says, and the message is a Bible a paraphrase. It's not a translation, it's a paraphrase. And sometimes it's really interesting to see how, how they render a passage. And they say, I urge Udia and Sintish to iron out their differences and make up. God doesn't want his children holding grudges. Right, look, it's normal for Christians to disagree. It's normal for Christians to disagree. It's not godly. It's not good to divide, to hold grudges. We all have different ideas about certain ministries and the importance of certain ministries or the decor of the church or the temperature, dare I say, the temperature right now in the sanctuary. We all have a different opinion. You know how many times I hear it's hot, it's cold, you know, different things like that. And um, I'm starting to join your camp thinking it's cold only because I've lost weight and I'm cold all the time. But... He's calling them to iron out their differences and agree and be united. That applies to us too. He says, "I entreat." If you look at the, the ESV translation, which I'm using, he says, "I entreat Yudia and I entreat Sintush to agree in the Lord." The verb it's, it's a verb, and if you forget your grammar, that's okay. Verb means it's an action word. It's an action word to run, to skip, to jump, to hunt. You know, the the verb entreat could be translated as entreat or encourage or ask or beg or invite or an appeal, an appeal. It has the idea of inviting for help. Again, this isn't a command. It's a strong request. This is an appeal. It's not a command. Now, I alluded to this a moment ago. Paul could have commanded, he was an apostle, he had a very authoritative position. He could have commanded. In that culture, which was an honor and shame culture and way more of a culture of the importance of community and authority and structure and hierarchy, he could have used that to command. We struggle with that in today's society, especially in America. There's a really good book. I'm about halfway through, misreading the scriptures from the, from the West, misreading the scriptures from the West. And it's written from two people who were missionaries overseas. And I've shared some about this already with you. And they bring up different perspectives on the scriptures that, where we make certain applications based on where we live. Whereas if you look at different culture, it's way different. You go to an honor and shame culture, they're gonna interpret different things way differently. Paul could have commanded, but he doesn't. He makes an appeal, a strong appeal. Paul is asking them to apply the principle of Philippians 2, 2 through 4. Now, let me remind you, Philippians chapter 2, verses 2 through 4 was a passage where Paul exhorted them to consider others more important than themselves and look out for the needs of others before their own. One of my prayer passages Consider others more important than yourselves. Look out for the needs of others before their own. Paul is asking them to do that, right? Uh, iron out their differences. Uh, set things aside. Agree. Agree in the Lord. We're going to come back to that idea of in the Lord in a moment. And the way to do that is self-sacrifice. Francis Chan writes, apart from the pastoral epistles, the pastoral epistles are certain epistles, letters, uh, First uh, and Second Timothy and Titus that are geared towards pastoral ideas. Apart from the pastoral epistles and the book of Philemon, the only other personal exhortation like this is found in Colossians 4.17, where Archippus is encouraged to complete his ministry, which suggests an indirect criticism from Paul. Unlike that example, however, Paul expresses a clear rebuke to these ladies. It, it is a polite request, a strong request, but it's also a rebuke. He's correcting them. He's saying, iron know your differences. Agree, set aside your differences. Paul wants them to agree in the Lord. He wants them to agree in the Lord. Notice how he says that again. The agreement is in the Lord. The Lord frames this agreement. The Lord helps them and us agree as well. He is saying that we are one in the Lord, and that's true of us. We are one in the Lord. One writes, in Greek and Roman oratory, women were not mentioned by name unless they were very notable or notorious. This is an important rhetorical, which means dealing with communication. This is an important rhetorical signal that likely tells us something about the prominence of these women. Paul calls them by name here. They were probably very prominent women in the church. Another Bible scholar, commentator, Gordon Fee writes, that Paul had women as co-workers in Philippi should surprise us none. Since the church there had its origins among some Gentile women who as God-fears met by the river on the Jewish Sabbath for prayer. That's Acts 16, 13 through 15. The evidence from Acts indicates that at her conversion, Lydia became patron, both of the small apostolic band and of the nascent Christian community. In other words, Lydia which we see in Acts 16, likely became a patron, meaning a supporter of the apostles and of this new church community when she was converted. By the very nature of things, that means she was also a leader in the church since heads of households automatically assumed the same role in the church that was centered in that household. Moreover, Macedonian women in general had a much larger role in public life than one finds elsewhere in the empire. In Philippi, in particular, they were also well-known for their religious devotion. In Philippi, in this area, it was not uncommon for women to be known for their religious devotion and even certain authority. So Paul is encouraging, exhorting them to agree in the Lord, and Paul uses their very names, which means they were probably very important leaders in the church. Now look at verse three. In verse three, Paul asks a true companion to help out. We don't know the name of the true companion, but look at verse three. He says, yes, I ask you also, true companion, help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel together with claimant and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. So Paul now inserts an interjection. It's translated yes. You know, he says, I'm, I'm urging you to agree in the Lord. Yes, I urge you, agree in the Lord. And I'm going to ask this true companion to act as a mediator. A true companion is literally translated as loyal yoke fellow or legitimate yoke fellow. This is somebody who is a close associate. You think of a, of a yoke, you know, a yoke of oxen. They have to be close working together. The Greek word pictures two oxen in a yoke pulling the same load. A companion is a partner or an equal in a specific endeavor. In this case, a spiritual one. It is possible that this individual is unnamed, but it is best to take the Greek word translated companion as a proper name. He was likely one of the church leaders. Uh, One person believes that it's possibly possibly Epaphroditus. The point is, sometimes we need a mediator to help us reconcile. Sometimes we need a mediator to sit down with two people and say, let's talk about this. Let's bring in another opinion. I like what John Piper shares regarding these, the phrase, help these women. He says he is asking an on-the-ground person, maybe a pastor, to help them. Paul is an apostle, and he has written this letter. He may think that should be enough, but he is saying, let this letter take root in a person and put flesh and bones on this letter to help. Paul says that these women labored side by side with him in the gospel, and that could be translated as struggle with me or strive. They struggled side by side with him for the gospel. They strived side by side for the gospel. These women were very involved in that church. And that's a reminder, the gospel is a struggle. It is a labor. It is something that we strive for. From a sociological point of view, one must ask questions such as, what sort of women have the time, resources, or freedom in that day and age, in that location, to struggle side by side with Paul for the gospel? The most plausible answers are, number one, women of social status and personal freedom, These women likely had high social status and personal freedom to strive side by side with Paul for the gospel. And number two would be single women or more well-to-do women with considerable clout in their own families who could count on their servants to take care of many of the domestic responsibilities. And make no mistake, since Paul does not specify the problem here and does not even bother to take sides on the quarrel, it is probably the divisive social consequences of this this dispute that concern him, not some theological matter. In other words, if this was a theological matter, theology having to do with the doctrine of God, Paul likely would have said, point blank, this is who's right, this is who's wrong. We see that in Galatians, we see that in other places. We see that in 1 Timothy, we see that in other places. But he doesn't do that. Paul says these ladies labored side by side with them and as well as claimant and the rest of the fellow workers. By the way, we don't really know anything else about claimant. He says these workers have names in the book of life. The book of life is a symbolic idea. It's a metaphor of those who have eternal life. Our name gets in the book of life when we accept Christ as our Savior. This is a powerful passage, and it's a very applicable passage about agreement in the Lord, about unity and how important unity was to the Apostle Paul and for the early church. Paul is calling out these ladies who are prominent women, important women, labored side by side. He's saying, I urge you. He's not commanding. He's saying it in a loving way. He's saying it in a really loving way. I urge you to agree. And how do you agree? Agree in the Lord. Let's make some applications. Do we have someone we need to reconcile with? It may not be someone at the church. It could be a family member, a friend. Do we have someone we need to reconcile with? I encourage you to read later on Matthew 18, 15 through 17 and Matthew 5, 23 through 24 and apply those passages to your life this week. Do we, do we recognize that we agree in the Lord? We have a bond in the Lord. It's the Lord who unites us together. We agree in unity Bound together by the Lord. Do we need a mediator like the one he calls true companion? There's nothing wrong with that. Oftentimes that happens. We need a mediator to sit down and talk with us. Do we recognize that unity and reconciliation are very important? Do we labor side by side for the gospel? Are we in ministry with others in the body of Christ? Are we in ministry... With others in the body of Christ, some of you have certain limitations, physical or otherwise, and it, it keeps you from being able to serve in the body of Christ. But, but I want to say real quick here, there are five purposes in the local church. We see this in Acts 5, 4, uh, Acts 2:42 through 47. Five purposes in the local church: evangelism, discipleship, worship, ministry and fellowship. And every believer in Christ has those five purposes as well, because you're all part of the church. All of us, if you are in Christ, you are all part of the church. And so I believe all of us here today, as much as you're able and capable, are called to evangelism, discipleship, worship, ministry, and fellowship in your life and in the church. And like a cobweb, they're bound together. And often, you're just not involved. These ladies struggled side by side with Paul for the gospel. If you're not involved in a ministry with the church, I encourage you, pray and seek the Lord about it. I urge you, pray and seek the Lord about it. Because you're missing out. You're missing out on what the Lord calls you to do. Now, maybe you served for many, many years and you're a little break now. Just make sure that break doesn't end up forever. You know, you're called to be involved in ministry. And sometimes we protect ourselves so much that we're missing out on what the Lord calls us to do. I believe God has so much that he wants to do through Bethel Friends. There are ministries that begin and shut down and then other people would say, well, I guess we missed out. God really wasn't calling us to that. And I would say, uh-uh, God was calling us to do it, but the people didn't step up. Yeah. We talk about Celebrate Recovery. I talk about it a lot because it's new, but I would love to have special needs ministries. Yeah. And just need people to step up and do it. I want that seniors ministry to happen. I want small group ministries. I want many other need, meeting, expanding, growing ministries. We just need people to step up and fill places and help out. And God is calling some of you to, to that. By the way, it's an opportunity for me to share about the body of Christ. Some of you are here twice a month, and some of you are only virtually. And I respectfully and lovingly want to share, you're not really connected to the body of Christ. You don't know the church. You're not part of the church. You're not connected to the body of Christ. You, we, God wants us to be connected through small groups and Sunday school, in ministry, serving side by side for the gospel. He's calling us to so much more. And, and some of you might be going home thinking, "Oh, pastor rebuked us." It's not really about that. It's that you're missing out on God wants you to do, on, on God's calling in your life. You're missing out on what God wants you to do. There is a joy in serving the Lord. There's a joy in serving in seeing all that the Lord wants us to do. And further, some of you are even dealing with certain hurts, habits, and hang-ups, worry, fear, anger, anxiety. And a lot of those would be alleviated and helped out if you were more involved in the community of Christians. Like really involved, like really sharing with one another, really praying for one another, really bearing one another's burdens beyond just your spouse. And I hope that your spouse is your best friend if you're married. And I hope you have close friends that you can share your burdens with and pray for with one another. But we need other men and other women to share with. Now, Proverbs twenty seven seventeen says, "'It's iron sharp is iron, so one sharp as another.'" Ecclesiastes 4, 12, "'A cord of three strands is not easily broken.'" We need those groups that we are bound together with, and we're striving side by side in ministry, and we're meeting with, and we're praying together, and we're supporting one another, and we're encouraging one another. And when we miss out on that, we're missing out on what God calls us to do. And further, we're hurting the whole church because of that. I believe God has so much. He's calling Bethel to be for this community. And sometimes we just give up. I think I've served, I've done it for years, I'm done. And you tell me things and you express your frustrations and what you're dealing with or even your concerns about the church. And I'm sitting there pastorally thinking, all right, Lord, how, how much should I really share? How, my, how direct should I be? I'll quote J.D. Greer so it's not me being the bad guy. Pastor of a big church, writer. He said, you know, people will meet with them and they're lament how their children or grandchildren don't come to church. And they'll say, he'll say, they'll say, We raised them in the church. And he'll say, Yeah, but what was your life like Monday through Saturday? Were you active in spiritual disciplines in the home? I would even go further though. A lot of you lament that your kids don't go to church, but you don't even come to church hardly ever. Let's be direct here. Let's be honest here. If I don't say it, who will? These ladies labored side by side with Paul in the gospel. And as we look at it as a rebuke, Paul's really lovingly encouraging them, exhorting them, agree in the Lord and keep serving, keep laboring. But, But you can't keep laboring because you're in such disunity. God has so much he wants us to do in the church, not just at Bethel, everywhere. Are we in ministry with others in the body of Christ? Last application question right now. Are our names in the book of life? Book of life. Are our names in the book of life? Are you going to heaven? I said in Sunday school, because we're in Matthew chapter 7, verse 1. And I said that I would never condemn somebody because I think when Jesus says do not judge right there, he's actually talking about a condemnation type of judgment. He's obviously not talking about correcting because later in the same chapter, he talks about knowing the false prophets by their fruit. So he's, obvi- he's talking about condemnation, sending saying, you're going to hell. You know, I would never, even if I knew somebody rejected Christ, I'm not gonna stand up at their funeral and say they're in hell right now. I don't know their last moments. I don't know their last week. I only know, you know, what I knew. I don't know if God convicted them. They're a sinner in need of a savior and they accepted Christ right before something happened. I don't know. I would never condemn somebody in that way. At the same time, the opposite is also true. I never really know who are truly saved, who, are tr- who truly belong to Christ. And my prayer, even for myself, is every day, Lord, help me persevering in the faith. Perseverance, staying true to the Lord until your dying day, shows that you really belong to Jesus. Staying true to Jesus as your Lord and Savior till your dying day really shows that you belong to King Jesus. There's too many that backslide, even in their older years. There's too many that fall away. Are your names are our names in the book of life. 2 Corinthians thirteen five says to examine yourself and make sure you're in the faith. Well, How do you examine yourself? Does sin in your own life bother you? That worry, that fear, that anger, that lust, that jealousy, that contempt, that pride, that gluttony, that excessiveness, that racism, that whatever, does it bother you? That lack of love, does it bother you? That unloving comment or thought, does it bother you? And do we repent of it? I think that's the best examination. The longer we grow and the longer we know Jesus is Lord and Savior, he's working in our life. He's continually exposing new things to me every single day. Do you know Jesus is Lord and Savior? I'm going to lead us in a prayer right now, and then we're going to have a song, which is going to be just played. It's a beautiful song, uh, "Come Thou Fount, Come Thou Fount," and that's a song for you to meditate on, contem- you know, contemplate on these questions or ever else the Holy Spirit convicts you. And the altars are open and. Um, we'll have people up here to even pray with you and you can come forward to the altars during this song. You don't need to wait for the closing song. You can come forward to the altars even right here during Glorious Day and then as we begin Glorious Day, the altars are open and we'd love to come to pray with you. We'd love for you to come forward so we can pray with you. It's a joy and a pleasure and a blessing to pray with others. So if you feel like I don't wanna come forward, I don't wanna be a burden or anything like that, that's not true. You're not a burden, It's a blessing. It's a blessing to pray with others. Let's pray. Dearly Father, you are the font of every blessing. And so Lord God, I thank you for this example in Philippians chapter four, verses two through three of Paul urging these two ladies to agree in the Lord, to agree in the Lord. Lord God, I pray that you continue to, uh, bond us together in love that that we at Bethel Friends will be a united body of Christ and i pray these application questions help us to strive together side by side for the gospel at Bethel Friends help us to anybody who has an issue with somebody else help us to work it out so that we are united it may not be with somebody in the church it could be a, another friend or a coworker or a family member and lord god help us all to continue to grow in the grace and knowledge of you our Lord and Savior, to you be the glory forever and ever. I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Go ahead and start that song, Billy.